When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Ducks fans. Welcome to another episode of The Quack Report. My name's Carter, joined by Nate. We're uh, here just after the uh, overtime loss to the Canucks on this Wednesday night, which we did watch along for. Tons of fun, as always. Had a good balance, actually, of Canucks and Ducks fans. So that was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, it was good engaging with... uh, yeah, familiar faces. It, yeah, it was good engaging with uh, with both sides uh, in in this watch along. So, um, yeah, both teams and, embracing the tank for the most part, too. Yeah, so. for the most part. Um, yeah, and if you're going watch part like watch along, watch party. Uh, what are you guys talking about? So can 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 I do one with you guys? Absolutely, you can. Next Wednesday, when uh, the when when the Vancouver Canucks, when the Anaheim Ducks take on the New York Islanders, we will be doing that over on the. Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel as well, 7 p.m. Pacific start time for that one. Yep. Perfect. And uh, yeah, just uh, as well, I showed it off already on the watch long, but I know uh, not uh, not yes. all of our regular listeners were in the chat, but it's finally here. It's mail here. Day. Mail day yesterday. Oh, yeah. It's Look beautiful. Get, get the microphone out of the way. Ducks, no one needs to see it's my amazing. face either. Ducks reverse retro with... Ryan Strom on the back. Hell yes. Love it. Love it. Straight Stroman. <laughs> yeah. I uh, haven't decided if I'm going to give it a spot on the wall or if I'm just going to keep it in the closet. I'll probably keep it in the closet because I'll probably be wearing it for um, quite a bit for the you know, next few games because I like it. Even though the Ducks aren't wearing okay. it anymore, but, you know, still going still gonna to rock it. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. And you're saying... I mean, like, you do change. got some decent ones behind you there, so... Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's hard to hard to pick one, but um, personality wise, no, I'm the same same <laughs> as I was. Uh, but yes, I did. I just took off my jersey. So um, and yeah, yeah same Nate, here. I, I took mine off well. too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just uh, shaking things up. Andy saying nice jersey, I love it. Thank you very much. Nate Nate also has his reverse retro. He's had his for a while just because he didn't get a name plate put on it. Yeah, to wait a little bit extra for the customization, but yeah. It was good. A bit, a bit longer of a wait than usual, but it was well worth it, I think. So, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it it looks good. So I can't wait to come over and see it in person. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Are, are you wearing that one on Friday? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you can you can take a look at it on Friday when we go up to Calgary to catch that game in person, which will be super exciting. Yeah, it'll be good. Haven't seen this team in person yet, so yeah, we talked about that on the on the last episode there. Yeah, uh, four seasons of covering this team, we finally get to see them in person now because there's not a pandemic or anything going. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe technically there's still a pandemic going on, but like. We're not all shutting our homes. How about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People yeah. are allowed to go to hockey games. <laughs> yeah, uh, just just as well because I, I mean it's no secret I'm a no other fan on here. And while we're showing off jerseys, and I know we got some jersey nuts in here, and we're not we're not showing that. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Double mail day for me yesterday. Um, well, I mean this one I picked up. I got it done at a local place. But Oilers reverse retro with a uh, Zach Hyman on the back. It yeah. does look good. It does it's, look good. Yeah, it's good. We, we won't go full screen for that one just because it's uh, it's less important on this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, but figured I'd, figured I'd show it off. But There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was mail day for, for me also. Yeah. Oh, tons of jerseys. Today's, today's All the jerseys. Today's Mail Day episode, apparently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I went a little bit older, and I went with uh, some, some Atlanta Flames. Yeah, part of that, closet here, so. that that classic collection, which yeah, the, it's yeah, kind the, of a shame you didn't go for the Ducks classic, but I mean you kind of already have it. So. Yeah, I got the I got the actual like OG from the '90s. So I, I yeah. did think about it honestly, just for like the cut of it. But I'm 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 good with the one I have, unless you want to buy the original one off me. It's tough. I don't know. I'd have to sell it to you for the price of the Adidas when yeah, it comes I, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we uh, we got Rory in the chat here as well. I'm Vince Dunn now. Every time the Ducks get a point in the standings, <laughs> yeah, just losing is cool. We'll talk about that a little later. Also, Rory, we saw your uh, your essay that you left us on YouTube, <laughs> which is uh, we we've both read it. And uh, rather than just responding on there, we're gonna respond a little bit later when we uh, um, get into that part of the episode. So stay tuned, or if you got to go to bed because you know it's late, which we totally understand. You can check out the episode afterwards. But yeah, we'll 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 get to it. We'll I guess probably read the whole thing on air and give our give our thoughts there. So but yeah, thank you for the comment on YouTube. Much appreciated. Uh on our last episode. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, still have your long hair Carter? Yes I do. I did not cut that between now and the watch long. <laughs> I, I buzzed over to his house in the in the minute, cut it off, came back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's saying, y'all live in Canada. Yes, we do. Southern Alberta. Yep. So, Southern Alberta boys talking about Southern California hockey. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Lucas saying, sup boys. Hello, Lucas. Up, Good Lucas. to see you again. And uh, Rory, my biblical rants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put That's it. For I like sure. it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we got a couple games to talk about here. So I suppose let's get into it. What, uh, yeah, which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with like the one that literally just happened? So everyone hopping over can get our reactions or chronological yeah, sure. order. Yeah, we can we can start with the Canucks one, I guess. So I don't have too many notes on it. It's yeah, honestly, both of these games I didn't really have a whole lot of notes on, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, just because they're a lot of what we've seen out of this team already, I guess. Um, yeah, like not to say like not too many highlights, but just like nothing that really like stuck out, I guess, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's there's some other stuff that uh, I'd I'd want to talk about actually a little bit more in uh, today's episode as well. So I guess, but yeah. um, in terms of today's game, uh, Brock McGinn gets his first uh, goal as an Anaheim Duck. There, 
<laughs> playing on that top yeah. line with uh was it Terry and or not Terry, uh Zegris and Strom, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and yeah, I'll no. even just double check their like them as a line how much they played uh tonight here on uh on, on moneypuck.com. Mm-hmm. Take a quick look here. Uh yeah, yeah McGinn Strom, Zegris, uh ten thirty-six on the night uh for time on ice. Um it's kind of j- just the one goal for them, right? For that line. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. So yeah, no, that was um, yeah. It, I mean, it was it was good. Just win the face off, put a shot on net, and McGinn just picks it up and puts it in. So yeah, that's yeah, honestly, pretty good. Like if he can do that, you know, every two three games, that's I think decent. For for Brock McGinn, like I think that's a decent expectation, I guess. Like maybe like maybe not if he's playing on the top line, but you know, at, in some capacity, if he can just like you know be a um, active net front presence, I suppose. I think that's that that would be good for him. So yeah, exactly. Uh, that line as well of McGinn, Zegers, and Strom uh, has they've been on the ice, I guess, for two goals now in the last two games. So. Mm-hmm. Early returns are looking decent for that line, which is not what I was expecting at all, personally. But yeah, we're um, saying uh, that's AHL Brock. <laughs> yeah, <I'm, laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm still kind of, like still kind of feeling that. Like we, I think we were, we kind of touched on it on the on, on the watch party stream. There, there are like let, let's let's be honest about this. There are players on this roster that would normally be playing in the AHL. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, right? That's not, so, not a question. Yeah. And in my opinion, Brock McGinn is kind of one of those, or he would at least be like up like a bottom six guy. Right. Oh, not yeah. Usually, yeah. like, not usually like a top line guy. So, yeah. Um, unless he goes like full Chris Kunitz and just like fourth line grinders somehow has chemistry with like one of the most skilled guys on the team. Yeah, and exactly. it's like, okay, fuck, we're just going to, you know, put you with Sidney Crosby slash Trevor Zegris. Like, you know, that's. It, it, it's possible, I suppose. I mean, like you said, they've been on or that line has been on the ice together for two goals and two games already. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing there, but it's obviously kind of too early to tell. So, yeah, exactly. And I, to to jump ahead really quickly, there were uh, some comments from Pat Verbeek um, just the other day about McGinn as well and acquiring him and just kind of his thoughts on him. Uh, Verbeek likes his grit and competitiveness and thinks that they got good value out of his contract, uh, again, being part of that Kulikov trade. Um, I I mean, Verbeek's the one who's figuring out like how to put this team together and whatnot, yeah. right? I'm just, I'm, I'm going off of what I've seen and that kind of thing, right? And, you know, yeah. people can obviously have different perspectives mm-hmm. on it. And, um, yeah, so I guess for me initially, yeah, I'm not, Feeling too high on McGinn, but who knows? Like, I, it, like I, I, I wouldn't be upset in being wrong about this, right? Like, if, oh, yeah, if you were to sure. actually, like, if you were to like, wrong, succeed yeah. with the Ducks and you know, like, like help them do well, I got no problem with being wrong about that. Yeah, so. we we say that all the time on here. Like, whenever yeah. we're kind of pessimistic about something Ducks related, it's like we, we'd love for them to prove us wrong. It's just like this is where our expectations are for now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's. I mean, honestly, like with McGinn playing for the Penguins, like for the last few years like I haven't seen a ton of him play so like really we just kind of have points to go off of or I go off points like and then just the the little bit that I have seen of him um but yeah I mean 
obviously Verbeek would pay attention to some of the intangibles that still have value and are reflected in his contract, but um, not reflected by any stats necessarily. So um, just kind of watching McGinn for the rest of the season, I think, might just show where the value in his contract is that, yeah, you're paying, not paying $2.75 million for 30 points a year. You're paying it for 30 points a year plus leadership plus defensive responsibility plus like whatever i'm just making shit up i don't know yeah what those are but yeah uh yeah, other comments yeah. here sorry just before we move on uh hey, lucas saying uh, it's just hockey now don't blame you for not having much to talk about yeah we're just gonna yeah. write out the rest of the season we we yeah. know where the ducks are gonna finish so yeah um andrew uh, i'll go i can't wake up my mom or upstairs or next door by the wall yeah that's fair um but uh, also says brock will be here with the ducks yes he will EDM fan hopping over from the watch long. Going to stay up for an hour. LOL. Anyway, that was a good game today. Not bad, you know. Yeah, it was a decent game to watch. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we, we kind of said there was not a lot. It wasn't a high event game, but, you know, it was there was yeah, goals. The, there was some things. Yeah. To talk about, and it, so. in the events, I would say, like, it's it was a lot more in Vancouver's favor, right? Like, like a good majority oh, yeah. of games that we watch of the Anaheim Ducks this season. Uh, yeah. it, it was more in favor of the other team. And, um... But, you know, Lucas Dostal, I think, did really good in of this course. game as well, right? Solid yeah. there. Um, what, uh, what what did he end with here for uh, final stats here? Ended with a 9-12 save percentage, 31 saves yeah. on 34 shots. Um, yeah, he, look, he looked good tonight. So, But, yeah. uh, I mean, we haven't talked about too many games that he hasn't looked good. Mm-hmm. He, he so, gave us a chance to win. I think honestly, that yeah. game doesn't go to overtime without him and, yeah. and his performance. So. And it's and uh, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people will kind of look at that first goal and be like, you know, like that one's kind of on him. And I'm kind of in the middle on that one. Like, yeah, sure, to to, to a point, yeah. it's on him, right? Considering he's the one that uh, you know made that pass kind of thing, and he might have been able yeah. to do it just a, just a little bit quicker, right, before uh, Patterson yeah. picked it off. But at the same kind time, of just put it on the whole power play too. Like, why why are we giving up? chances it on when we're on the power play right yeah exactly so, so the worst penalty kill in the league like yeah. might i add like christ yeah so um but yeah no i thought he looked uh sturdy there for the rest of the night otherwise so and uh Troy terry scoring again uh so he's still keeping at uh four points in his last five games going mm-hmm. um which is great to see as well so yeah Rory says uh, maybe by year two, final year of McGinn's deal, Ducks have more pieces in place, be a good bottom six guy. Yeah, ideally. That'd be nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, Andrew reminding some more people to hit that like button and subscribe if they haven't already. And um, what else we got? Lucas saying, did you guys see the pregame talk with Z? He was so blah, like they told him, calm down or you're benched. I didn't actually see it. No, I'll have to go back and find no, it. No, I didn't. Yeah, we got... Uh, we. Uh, the game was actually available to us in Canada via Sportsnet. So we got the Canucks feed of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we weren't overly listening to that feed too much, I guess, either. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. Um, and then EDM fan says, Ducks might be my second favorite team. Yeah, they're a lot of fun to watch. So maybe converting you a little bit there. Yeah. And, I mean, if you hop on the bandwagon while they're while they're down kind of thing, I don't really yeah. know if, I can, if you can be called a bandwagon fan, right? No. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, also Klingberg and Kulikov leave defense gets noticeably better. <laughs> yeah. I kind of mentioned that too. I was like, there's some that probably would have went in if Klingberg was on this team. I was going to say, I'm going to just single out Klingberg. Out yeah. Of yeah. Me guys, too. So. yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily Kulikov. I mean, he, yeah. was he, you know, the best defenseman? No, but 
better than Kulikov, which is a low bar, but you know, or better than Klingberg. But yeah, yeah, sorry, better um, than Klingberg. Yeah, and some of the other guys. And again, like that's not like a slight against them. It's just like they're just not. They they wouldn't normally be playing the types of minutes that they are in the NHL, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. In, in a usual circumstance. So whether it's, um, you know, just the the, the players that we have. Uh, signed to contracts or uh, like injury-wise kind of thing. So, um, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, like I said, I didn't really have a whole lot besides that for this Canucks game. Like kind of, kind yeah. of a quick, like kind of the quickest thing about like a game that I had at least. I don't know if you had anything else specific like, uh, about this game just, you wanted to talk about. Yeah, just just the one actually. Um, that uh, I'm just double checking, make sure I didn't fall asleep at some point in the game. Yeah, no, no penalties in this game for the Ducks. So um, nice. good to stay disciplined. Especially shout out to Trevor Zegris for not taking a boneheaded penalty like he's been doing a lot recently. But just for the whole mm. team in general, um, you're not having to put the penalty kill to work. And I mean, there wasn't a ton of penalties anyways. There was really only the two for the Ducks that were early on in the first period and. They overlapped a little bit, and that, that was literally it. So, um, yeah, not not a ton of special teams, but the fact that we could stay out of the box uh, was really really good to see. And hopefully, we can carry that into the rest of the season, and you know, keep keep the penalty minutes low, not at zero, obviously, but just yeah. low. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, those penalties as well the, that you were talking about for Zegers, like he's we, we we talked about it on the last episode, but there's been a, there was another thing I saw about it, like of him talking about that and just, you know, it's him like playing with emotion. He knows it gets the best of him sometimes and he's working on that kind of thing. Like there's at least the acknowledgement of it. Um, yeah. and, and then so, there's, and then he backs it up too in this game. So. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like taking responsibility for it. So like we, mm-hmm. we, we see that a lot. Like I, I, I was kind of harping on a little bit that I didn't feel like we were getting a whole lot of like accountability out of like Dallas Eakins. Um, especially at like for the first while of the season that really, bad uh streak that we had there in mm-hmm. what was that like november december ish uh, uh yeah. kind of thing right there just wasn't like a whole lot of accountability there kind of thing like um not to like single out eakins for that but like just that's an example that comes to mind mm-hmm. um like we aren't seeing that out of zegers right he's taking accountability like of yeah i know i'm taking stupid penalties kind of thing and um like i don't want to hurt my team kind of thing and that's and that's what i'm uh, that's what i'm working on so um yeah. it's good to see and good to see that he's actually you know trying to put into practice as much as possible and like it's not going to be an overnight thing um yep. i don't think anybody really expects it to be but uh it'll, it'll 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 come there so yeah no for sure yeah i agree um so yeah that's all i had for this one i don't even think we said the score but yeah three two final for the connects just for anyone that might have missed it yeah. 20 20 seconds into overtime yeah which so. I guess we could talk about that too like Dostal didn't really have much of a chance on that one like it was it was just a snipe and just a absolute rocket by Miller so like, yeah it was a good shot by Miller they're getting two of the Canucks three goals in that game there the first yeah. and the last one so oh, that's right yeah he, uh, he, he started the nail into the coffin and then he finished the nail in the coffin so yeah um yeah that was just a good shot I get another thing that you know I'm not putting that on on Dossel or anything. No, not like really that. on anybody, so, honestly. Yeah, like you lose the face off, or Canucks get possession, and JT Miller just says, I'm scoring with yep. you know, this this just is how big the space him. is, and then the puck is like just a little bit smaller. Like that, that's it. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Uh Andrew saying, now I'm out night. Good night, Andrew. Thanks good for night, tuning in. Always good to see you in the chat. EDM fan. When does the live stream end? Um when I want it to end. Pretty much. When, yeah. when I sh- when I shut up. 
That's what it ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we usually keep these post-game episodes to about an hour-ish, a little bit more. So. At most kind of thing, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. But. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess we can, you know, hop in the time machine, go back a little bit to the Kraken and Anaheim Ducks game that was just on Tuesday night there, so just the night before. Uh, again, not a whole lot to talk about in this game, kind of to be expected, I would think. Uh, well, what did we say for score predictions? First of all, we said 5-3 for Anaheim. That was me, and you said 3-1. Um, and then against Seattle, I'd said 6-2. Ooh, I was close. You got close, with, yeah. For the 5-2 <laughs> final. And then you had said 4-3. Uh, so, I predicted a closer game. A <laughs> little, little, little bit. You had higher hopes. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, once again, the depth scoring of the Kraken just shines and, and wins them this game, and the, the Ducks didn't have that, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think I think I brought this up in the last episode that uh, you know, the, the Kraken do what you know the Ducks were hoping to do when Troy Terry was out by like actually scoring by committee. Um yeah. and it, it is led by like a few individuals, I guess, but uh like more so than others. But mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah that's a team that is literally the you know, we're doing this all together uh mentality. Um but uh yeah, and I mean we I feel like Kraken fans haven't seen like a whole lot of good games out of Philip Grubauer over these two years so no, far. No, but they really last, haven't. but that game uh, against the Ducks there like was a good game by Grubauer. I thought he did make some mm-hmm. big stops. I thought for sure. Yeah. Um, on the other side, though, that's the first time we've seen kind of a flub from Gibson in a while. I thought in a long time um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like uh, Kraken got an empty net, so allowing four goals, I guess on. However many Kraken shots, uh, thirty-one. So yeah. yeah, not not fantastic, but and like that's a light workload compared to what John Gibson's been used to this season. Which, um, which could be part of it, honestly. Like just tougher to get into the game when you're not facing fifty shots a night. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I the, the the note that I had here was like I felt like he had to, like he had to work more for his saves, or he like intentionally worked more for his days like just in the sense that like there's a bit more movement in his movement than usual i yeah. guess right so that that kind of cost him for the first little while there and i remember that was like a big talking point that we were talking about and once he had settled down then everything kind of settled down mm-hmm. um and last night kind of felt like one of those early in the season games where he was just kind of yeah. feeling like he had to do everything Mm. Yeah, uh, that's fair. In a way, so in extending himself a little bit more. Mm. Um, uh, L- Lucas here saying, uh, give the guy a break. He's got to be sore and bruised. Yeah, exactly. just living in the ice bath. Honestly, yeah, no, no yeah, yeah. Like, we're, yeah, like we're saying, like, yeah, he didn't have a great game, but it's it's kind of hard to blame him when he's kind of just the backbone of the team and, and is the defense, really. Yeah. Like, if we're being completely honest here, like, yeah, we still have, you know, guys like Fowler and... Fowler. <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <laughs> Fowler. Um, but uh yeah no it was just a just just a rough night for gibson overall like i i have the note here like specifically about that third uh that third goal against right where it like went off his glove and went up and landed behind him like that's a goal or like that's a, that's a shot that gibson usually has like in yeah. his sleep kind of thing that he's that he's fumbling so it was just yeah, it just didn't really. It, it wasn't. It wasn't his night to say the least. And the stats reflected too, uh, an eight sixty seven save percentage in that game. Um, 
10 low danger shots against uh, two of the goals that were considered low danger against him, though. So, oh, okay, like, yeah. that kind of gives you... Which, the, again, we haven't seen that in a while, so... Yeah, exactly. So, but it just kind of gives you the idea of what Gibson was like in, in, in that game. So, but again, yeah, we haven't seen that in a while, which I'll take that as a positive um, mm-hmm. because earlier in the season, we were seeing that way more often than the good games. So, yeah, it's a flub every now and then is to kind of be expected, right? Like not like even, you know, like Patrick Wall, Martin Brodeur, they had their off nights, right? Oh yeah. So like the, the, the best have their, their odd nights. So mm-hmm. it, it, it happens. Yeah. We, we got him on, uh, jumping into the chat. Welcome. Good to see you again. Saying should have kept Klingberg. He helped us lose. Yeah. You know, Klingberg plays tonight. We probably don't we get a point. We still lost these two games. <laughs> yeah, but we got a point. Who wants a point? We don't want a point. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. But, fair enough. Yeah. Um, EDM fan. Uh, bye. Good night. Good to see you. Um, thank you very much for tuning in and I hope you have a good night as well. Okay. Now moving on to the reason or the, like the talk of the town, like the, the reason that everybody's here for uh, the episode probably. Wait, can uh, I answer this? Max Comtois. Oh, yeah, sorry. thank you. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Max Comtois getting uh, off the schneid there. First goal in 34 games going all the way back to last year, December 6th against Carolina. So, you know, only, well, that, that's three months ago. Jeez. Yeah. Last calendar year, wow. not last season. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I meant. Yeah. 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 Um, it's part two of the joke, so. But, yeah, you know, no, still I, nice to see him get one, especially in a game that was already very much over <laughs> at that point. Yeah, but. exactly. Um, yeah, he played all right last night. Yeah, 12.51 uh, playing with Grant and Megna. That line itself had 8.44 uh, for 5-on-5 time, which was actually good for second on the team for 5-on-5. Oh, damn. Um, this is very going to spread out for this game. Like, there weren't, like, a whole lot of like penalties or that kind of thing even like yeah sure the ducks were you know on the kill twice and on the power play three times there but that's what 10 minutes out of a 60 minute game and the 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 line that played the most there um what was it It was mcginn zegris and strom who we talked about already yeah. uh playing 850 in that one so only six at five on five yeah at five on five so only six seconds left for that Comtois grant magna uh, yeah. line there so yeah just not a whole lot of five on five uh time for really any of the lines to to be honest with you here so like out of mm-hmm. the kind of the main four that were set um strom's egress terry had 239 on the night so oh wow a little bit of mixing up kind of here and there but like it drops yeah. off really quickly like 239 down to 122 117 mm-hmm. 58 seconds yeah and then you're just getting into you know guys having to be on the ice at the same time like in the middle of shift changes so yeah yeah exactly so yeah um so there was that and yeah really not much else to say about this one so moving on right yeah exactly okay not at all yep. no there wasn't yep. any like silky plays silky goals anything like that no yeah no, nothing really spectacular of note trevor fucking zegris the beauty that he is with one of the smoothest between the legs goals I have ever seen. If if not the smoothest. Like that was amazing. Just- I was saying on the I was saying on the watch along that I was like you like the kind of like inhumane, like or not inhumane, like <laughs> non non-human uh, Call PETA. What Trevor Zegers is doing is <laughs> disgusting. No, no, no. PETA, PETA hates me already because I post my stakes on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, just how, like how it's uh, like 
like the not natural movement sometimes that you get out of video games, right? Like it's too fluid. That's what Trevor mm-hmm. Zegras did in real life. The commercials for NHL that, you know, like bring up the video game highlights and then show Zegras pulling off the move. They mm-hmm. aren't wrong. This guy literally is pulling off stuff like, like a video game. Oh, absolutely. It's ridiculous. Uh, saucy smooth as Lucas puts it here. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's just, that was just a great goal. So, and like, that was like a, there's the difference between, and, and I feel like this is kind of maybe where um, the older generation, the the boomers, if you will, of of the hockey world, kind of get the, it mixed the, up. The, the quote, John Tortorella's. Sure, yeah. There's there's times and places for some of the you know showing off, or I guess to, let's go back to to Arizona, the skilling it up type goals. Yeah. Right. There are times and places for it. And especially if, you know, you can actually do it like mm. Trevor Zegers can. Right. So in the case of, you know, some of the, uh, the, the Michigans that he's pulled off, right. Like there, there's a reason that that's the move that he's going for in that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and in this case, which the between the legs goal has been around for like quite a bit longer. You still don't see it yeah. too, too often unless you're now watching the Florida Panthers and you're watching Matthew Kachuk do it on every second shot that he takes. Um, <laughs> but uh, besides that though, right? Like this is like uh, just the angle got cut off for Zegris, uh like in regards to the net, right? And putting that between the uh, between his legs there gave him a good angle for it. Obviously, he got it in and like just on a, on a clean shot. Yeah, so. if, if he doesn't do that, the defenseman probably knocks the puck off his stick. So like... Yeah. It's, exactly. It, it, it was a, a smart, like high ho- high hockey IQ play. And then he also has the skill to back it up as well. Um, we, we were talking on the watch along too. I, I, I almost said he ha- has the best hands of any NHL player ever. I stopped Before, you pretty quickly. I was like, wait well, a second. No, I, I, remember, <laughs> I, remember, I remember Datsuk and then, yeah, so we're, we're yeah. good. Um, but, you, you know, I definitely put him up there like in, in, in the conversation and on, on like a very similar level, obviously, yeah. you know, Zegris has not been uh, in the NHL nearly as long as Datsuk was, but you know, just some of the things that he's pulling off and like how I, I guess innovative and new some of the moves are that he's doing. Like it's, um, he, he's definitely starting to make a name for himself. And, and I mean, I wasn't really around when Datsuk was you know coming into the NHL like as a, as a young guy, but probably in a very similar way to like, oh, hey, look at what this kid's doing. Look at the hands on this guy. Like we haven't seen moves like this ever. And the fact that he can do this and score and it's all in stride and like with how fast the game is now and all that jazz, like it's it's, it's impressive. Yeah, exactly. Pavel Datsuk uh, Roy, pulls a... Oh, oh go ahead. sorry. I was going to say Pavel Datsuk pulls a brilliant move and everyone goes like, oh my God, look at this. Like Pavel Datsuk is great. And then, you know, Trevor Zegers pulls a, a, a Michigan or a between the legs shot and everyone goes, fuck that kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Just, just, really, tell, so. just tell me, just tell me that you don't like fun. Okay. Just tell me that you don't like fun. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Really. <laughs> uh, Rory says that whole sequence was crazy. He got it back on defense. Uh, but that sauce to Z was also just as pretty as the goal. Yeah. And I mean, you got to give credit that, to the pass too. as well. Yes. Yeah. That was, yeah. that was a sweet pass. So. Um, tape to tape and everything. So, uh, Roy, yeah, he does this, but then cri- uh, critics bring up his plus minus dumb stat in brackets. That's Rory and yes, and absolutely dumb stat. Uh, or some yeah. advanced five on five defensive stat to discredit him. So, yeah, yeah and you know I what? Mean, that's that's another thing that he and Verbeek, which that's another thing that uh, that's another comment later. But like 
the defensive game is coming for Zegers, right? Like any oh, yeah. young centerman, the defensive game is not going to be just all-star level right off the bat. You got to oh, exactly. grow into it. You got to learn it. Right. Even, even just look at his, his face-offs, too. Like, that's another aspect yeah. that he's had to work exactly. on. And e- even Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, when they came into the league, yep. they got demolished in the face-off dot. Honestly, Zegris is, like, stepping up his face-off game kind of a lot earlier than those guys are as well. Like, it seems to be something he's choosing to focus on earlier on in uh, his career. So, like, there's there's that aspect of it, too, for a young centerman is learning how to win an NHL face-off as opposed to a college or a junior face-off. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of other aspects he's having to learn as well, and it's it's getting better, so. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, that was a, that was a beautiful goal, and uh, that goal as well gave him uh, two goals and six points in his last five games heading into uh, tonight's game as well, which did he, I don't think, oh no, he did he pick up an assist, assist tonight, yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I'd have to look so at seven his. points in well, seven points in six games, we can say. So Yeah. I just want I want to see what he had in his game that would get knocked out kind of thing. Yeah. Uh so that would be two that'd still be five points in his last five. Yeah. So pretty solid. That's still pretty damn good. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's still that's still pretty damn good if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah. Um all right. Well, yeah, we've got uh, some Interesting news things that you had mentioned you wanted to get to here, so we kind of powered through the games a little quicker than we normally do. So, yeah, let's... Uh, it's also take... like 11.30 where we are right now. Also, also that, yeah. <laughs> 11.29. Okay, yeah. we've still got still a minute behind. <laughs> oh, but sorry. yeah, we're going to take a uh, quick break here. And on the other side, we'll uh, talk some comments from Pat Verbeek and Scott Niedermeyer, uh, as well as doing an up... Uh, uh, Gull's update, sorry, and some upcoming games. And then a... Uh, I'm assuming quick. What's quacking? Looks like a looks yeah. like a short one today. But and, and getting to Rory's comment, which relates kind of to the news. So, yeah. But we'll see you guys in just a minute. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet five dollars and win two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. So, what are you waiting for? Download the app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Again, that's code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. All right. So, yeah, we've got uh, some comments from Pat Verbeek and Scott Niedermeyer that we're going to get to. Um, I've only seen, like, bits and pieces of these. I haven't seen the whole thing, so I'll kind of let you take the conversation uh, mostly for these ones, um, just because I'm assuming you have a little bit more context. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. Take it away. 
yes, there's an article from uh, that you can read on uh, NHL.com slash Ducks uh, as well that just you know dives into it a little bit deeper. I just kind of pulled uh, a couple things that I thought we could talk about on this, but there's a lot more yeah. in the article uh, as well. So it, it might talk, it might seem like I'm we're talking about quite a bit, uh, but there is even more in it. Um, quotes wise and that definitely go check it out. Um, so yeah, Pat Verbeek and Scott Niedermeyer, uh, spoke to orange Alliance members, uh, on, uh, on the weekend there, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, just talked about, uh, the team this season kind of going forward and just kind of gave a little bit of a behind the scenes, uh, look. And if you're going, wait, like why was Scott Niedermeyer there? Uh, he remember he is the special advisor to hockey operations. So, oh, uh, right. he, he does have a job within the Anaheim Ducks itself. He's not just there for fan service. Uh, I mean, plus which, it's Scott I mean, Niedermeyer. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, I mean, wouldn't be, wouldn't be mad about it being for fan service, but, uh, yeah, there, there's a reason he's been showing up more to these functions. If you're, if you're wondering why he mm-hmm. is besides just, you know, alumni kind of thing. So, yeah. um, there's one quote that I grabbed specifically, and that's uh, Pat Verbeek talking about the season overall, and I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, he said, I think overall, with the way the team was penciled on paper, I would have expected the team to have done better than what our record is. I think early on with the team, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, the compete level wasn't at a standard of what I expected. I want us to be really hard to play against, and we were too easily pushed aside. We weren't competing hard enough to win pucks, so I think that kind of contributed early on to the record. I think as the season has progressed, we've certainly gotten a lot better in that perspective. There are a lot of things that different players and different teams have to go through, and they had to learn to compete harder. I think that's a very fair assessment, honestly. It is. It is. And and, and and I'd be lying if I said I disagreed, because we both had the Ducks sixth in the division. Like We did not expect them to be just bad and consistently bad right off the hop of the season like we we expected more from them and then you know after the first couple games were done yeah we were disappointed yeah and the compete level was definitely something that we had talked about for a while right even to the point where you had said you know like if the uh the the feelings of the players start to show on the ice that's when you get concerned right and we we had gotten to that point in november i think it was november december yeah it was was very early on yeah so yeah, he's. I mean, not to, you know, say, oh yeah, you know, the GM of the Anaheim Ducks knows what he's talking about. But he's he's right. Yeah. So just looking at it from you know a perspective of now kind of thing instead of like right in the middle of it, I guess. So um, yeah. I did kind of have to, to to chuckle to myself a little bit here though from this one comment, and I do have uh, something to to show alongside it, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're, if you're listening as well, it's it, it's all good. So uh, the the one thing that Pat Verbeek was talking about um, was just in regards to, you know, the the joke that we've had over the last few weeks, especially uh, of Gary Bettman saying that teams don't tank. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Gary. They, they don't tank. Sorry about that. Um, so, you know, he was asked, you know, about the idea of, you know, improving the lottery odds. For, yeah. for his franchise and uh, he said that he had no interest in tearing down his roster to the absolute bare bones in hopes of a better draft pick to which I say um, Pat are, 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 are you sure about that? <laughs> Let's take a look at this lineup against the Kraken here. Your top line is uh, Trevor Zegers, 
Ryan Strom, those two make sense. And Brock McGinn, who before you had traded for him, was shunned to the AHL by the Pittsburgh Penguins. He literally hasn't played an AHL game in six years. I, I hate that, that you're keep bringing up that narrative. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, I, he was put on waivers, but he had relating not. To, <laughs> relating to this season, the Pittsburgh Penguins didn't think that at the time he was going to be he wasn't the guy to help them be successful for the moment. Now, okay, for, for that conversation, we've already talked about it. Yes. Pittsburgh he, Penguins, Anaheim Ducks, like totally different levels. But Okay, but there, but there you go, right? He, he doesn't want the bare bones. Brock McGinn is on the first line. <laughs> yeah, now, mind you, which, which is, yeah, Verbeek yeah, also doesn't, that. doesn't make the, the lineups. So, Eakins. Okay. The, the second line... Looks like a genuine second line or even a first line. Or could it could be in a first line in a couple of years even. Uh McTavish, Terry, Jones. And then Lundestrom, Silverberg, Vetrano. Yeah, it's not horrible either. Grant, Magna, Contois. But like it's there's not a whole lot there. There's it's it's missing some of the finer details. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I yes, Adam Henrique is uh is out with injury. But yeah. still even with him in there, yeah, you could, you know, that it's it's kind of kind of lean to say the least. Um, go to the defenseman, and now this is not entirely by choice as well, but that's very lean, especially with the two trades that uh, that that were made by Verbeek during the trade deadline involving Kulikov and Klingberg. There, um, Cam Fowler and Scott Harrington, who you had just claimed off of waivers like a week ago. Scott Harrington is on your first pairing. Uh, then Juan Shattenkirk on your second, and then White and Bullio on the third pairing. Like bare bones, no. Very like disappointing amount of meat on a chicken wing. Yeah, kind of right now. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least there's Gibson Dostal, you know. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, uh, yeah, so right. I just kind of I just kind of laughed at, at that a little yeah. bit of like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, he didn't go bare bones, but it's it's pretty damn close, especially yeah. with you know if you combine the last two trade deadlines together, uh, mm. it's pretty damn bare. So yeah, uh, Rory says just glad Verbeek is being honest and not gaslighting fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, says uh, except for Max Jones talking about the second line, uh, who has plateaued developmentally drastically. Yeah, I mean he, he's maybe not a second liner on many teams but i think he works well with mctavish and terry i would say i mean personally i I would maybe put vetrano up there like i'd switch vetrano and jones but yeah yeah. i don't know it's he's he's a middle six guy i think and you know maybe ideally when this team's pushing for a cup jones probably isn't in your top six but he he can play there i think but yeah jones has also been a guy who hasn't been able to play a whole lot of games really yet um his career high for a season was the shortened sand uh shortened season because we ran into a pandemic uh the 1920 season he played 59 games this season he's mm. played 51 now um that season mm. the the 1920 season was also a career high for points for him with 12 and he's at 10 right now with what do we say mm. 17 games left yeah so if he plays in all those games right like yeah, it's it's not a whole lot of points, but like he's looking for a new career high this year. So that's yeah, yeah he's had some injury troubles for sure. So yeah. like he has missed a lot of uh, time in there. But yeah. yeah, you get you get 
injury troubles, being a just a young person in general and the pandemic stunting every young player's development in one way or another. Hmm. Right. So yeah. Um yeah. And and yeah. just going back to the this comment about the lottery odds too, I, I think it's interested or it's worded very interestingly that he's saying he oh I didn't tear down the roster to absolute bare bones. He kind of he he didn't tear it down to bare bones because he kind of started with a pretty bare bones roster, honestly. Like, yeah, we we talked about it yeah. as like, you know, probably sixth in the division, but I think it was mostly because like, oh my God, look at San Jose. They suck perennially. Like that's yeah. obvious. And then Seattle, yeah, they're probably not going to be great either. So it's not that the Ducks are going to be good or like average. It's just that there's other teams that are probably going to be worse. Yeah. Um but yeah, like we like like you said, we tore down a lot of players last season and then we just kind of didn't really build it back up from there so yeah um yeah and then he was talking about the uh the young guys a little bit as well um specifically you know in regards to uh terry and uh zegris and uh drysdale those guys in particular because i don't know if we've talked about this on the show which we totally have um Sarcastic. They're due for contracts this summer. Yep. And yeah, that you know, that was definitely a talking point on one episode where um kind of looked at both sides, right? Like the, the the potential in it, right? But also maybe the concern, especially with the the trends over the last couple of years with uh with uh young players, right? And um wanting more like bridge contracts so that they get to UFA faster and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um but anyway, so yeah, so he uh, he did say that they'll begin negotiating with those young guys at the end of the season. He chose to uh, leave it until then, just to let them focus on their play during mm-hmm. the year and uh, just develop. So um, yeah, which I think is smart. Yeah. And it's like yeah. it's not like we're strapped for cash, so you want to sign guys when like you're they're at their absolute minimum value. Um, like obviously eventually we probably will be you know closer to the cap so you'll want yeah. guys on value deals but especially when these three are your core and like like you want to give them a reason to stick around so like you kind of want to make them happy by signing them to not like whatever they want but whatever they want that is reasonable i think yeah so like you don't want to squeeze guys for 500,000 and then either ruin that relationship and you know when shit goes sideways next season they want out or yeah. they you, you you try and lowball them and they say you know what screw you I'm you know trade me I, yeah. I don't I don't want to sign here anymore like yeah I'm an RFA you'll get picks but you know I'm going to get offer sheeted or or trade my rights like yep. you, I I think with those with these three guys you want to make them happy and you want to make sure that they're willing to or that they're signed to enough money that they're willing to stick it out in Anaheim for the next couple of years because it's not going to be pretty but you want to show them okay there's a light at the end of the tunnel and we're giving you a lot of money because we believe that you're the core of this team and going to make us you know a, yeah. a contender in 3 years the, so the I, team I, is going to be built around you guys yeah so oh. i i think it's fine Long story short, I think it's fine to leave them till the end of the season yeah. and just be like, you know what? You, you played your heart out for 82 games. We liked especially what you did in the last 15 games when um, it looked like very, very dark. You, you still put up points. You still worked hard. Um, so here's everything that you deserve. 
So yeah, I, as, I think as, that'll go a long way. As long as it doesn't turn into like a William Nylander situation where they're signing at like the very last minute, like 10 games into the yeah. season kind of thing. Not not even for like the play of the team overall, because even I mean, just as it stands right now, we haven't done free agency or anything yet. As it stands right now, though, I'm not thinking there's going to be too, too much for the Ducks next year overall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, like just more for them personally, right? To have yeah. those training camps, to set themselves up for the, for like to, to get going right away at the start of next season kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, as long especially as that, for Jamie Drysdale, because he's already missed essentially yeah, he's, a full he's, season. Yeah. As, he's only, he only age, played so. eight games this year. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and those were not great games for Anaheim at all. So that you can't really yeah. count that too much towards development. So um, I, I think for Jamie, you want to get him as much time as possible, just getting ready for the season. So, yeah. like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the first one out of these three to sign. Yeah, honestly. So, and uh, actually, speaking of Drysdale, that's one of the guys that uh, he had talked about. Uh, he said that Drysdale's in his fourth month of rehabbing his shoulder. Um, and then in three to four weeks, they're going to see if, you know, he returns this season or is considering returning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, at uh, quote, at the worst, he'll be ready for next year. So I yeah. personally, like as much as I want to see Jamie Drysdale back in the lineup this year, I would personally just say, just take, the year make sure kind yeah. of thing so like i I'm, I'm sure uh you know i guess he's even said so on the, the on the duck stream podcasts but um he, he's itching to get back but i would much rather him you know play it safe and mm-hmm. not you know accidentally damage it uh a little bit further um that it, that impacts him for the rest of his career kind of thing so yeah no exactly uh see if, if you, I, I do agree. If you're with, able to come back for like five games, like is it like do you have to? I guess right. Yeah. So. See, see, I do agree with that, but um, like for the most part, but considering where the Ducks are, there's no meaningful games from now until the end of the season. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely get him practicing with the team if he's healthy enough. Like obviously in a no contact jersey, like you know, get him at least give him a feel of like the the team a little bit and you know where things have come from the beginning of the season and yeah. so at least do that but i wouldn't be mad about seeing him for a few games you know maybe a healthy scratch from against LA or or a team that's like fighting for a playoff spot or something like that but you know yeah. we, we've got games that are like very meaningless um coming up let, let me just see if i can pull up a quick example um just by taking a look at the schedule um but oh yeah like second last game of the year we play vancouver fourth last we play arizona like super meaningless games for both teams i I wouldn't see a problem with giving drysdale like i don't know eight minutes eight eight to ten minutes a night and just say no slap shots don't go into the corner to risk getting hit (laughs) just like You know, stick to the net front, you know, take some wristers, you know, make some good breakout passes, like just get a feel for it. We'll, we'll yeah. give you some, I don't know, second pairing minutes so you're not going up against any goons, but also you're not going up against, you know. The like, top guys. Like yeah. you, you, the Pedersons and the whoever Arizona has or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to give them like actual game feel as well. Like, yeah, they're not going to yeah. be meaningful 
games, but it, it's still an NHL game, so I wouldn't be mad about that, but I wouldn't play him against, like, Colorado or LA, no. or we play Edmonton a couple times. Like, the, the teams that are, you know, fighting for positioning in the playoffs or a playoff spot, sit them for those games, 100%. So Yeah. Um, for Terry, he said that Terry's figured out the off-ice conditioning aspect of it and just, you know, getting him stronger and that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, for Zegers, he said that he feels he has made improvements defensively, which is what we yep. were talking about earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just says he just needs to work on being physically stronger, more just to, you know, go up against those tough defenders and uh, just to be able to, you know, throw hit, like use his body to to protect himself a little bit more uh, in that respect. So, yeah. Um, uh, Rory also yeah. says uh, with Zegris, you could put him with the gulls. And I think absolutely he gets a conditioning stint for sure. Um for a, a few games, yeah. Because again, they're not playing meaningful games either. So you know, if he's if they have a plan to play him in the NHL at all this season, then yeah, give him a game or two down in San Diego. I mean, it's a little bit more gritty down there. So yeah, again, gonna, you could give him you could the, give him ten games just to skate around, and he'll probably get like four assists in that time, anyways. So like, yeah. As I say, the thing with the AHL is, uh, oh excuse me, um, especially at the end of a season like that. The players that are down there, they're doing their best to try to show off for going into next season, right? Those are guys that are trying to get NHL jobs. That's true. Yeah. It's the only reservation I have against putting him in the A this year. It's the yeah. only thing I have against it. No, that's fair. That's, oh. that's totally fair. Right? Like, you're going to have a guy who's like, okay, I'm going to do something that will get me noticed and runs Jamie or something like that, right? So Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. So. Yeah. Um, And then before we get to uh, Rory's big comment that he left earlier here, um, we can just quickly talk about the deadline and then I think that'll take us nicely into what Rory had to say. Cool. Yeah. Um, So yeah, for the deadline there, uh, I talked about again already uh, saying that, you know, Verbeek liked his uh, his grit and competitiveness and things that he has, you know, good, that there's a good value on his contract there. Yeah. He's excited about uh, Nestorenko. That was the, uh, the the unsigned prospect that uh, mm-hmm. they'd picked up from Minnesota there, which uh, there was a tweet from uh, Mike Russo, uh, who covers the Wild for The Athletic, that uh, I thought was kind of interesting and could really go either way uh, yeah. a little bit for it. Um, yeah. that, I, don't, um, I don't really know what you mean. That, but yeah, I'm scrolling back because I did share it on the TQR thing here. Uh, yeah, here mm-hmm. it goes. So, yeah, so Mike Russo was on, uh, was doing an interview on radio or that talking about the trade deadline and uh, kind of giving like a behind the scenes look at it. Um, so, from the uh, this is the wild perspective, obviously, but uh, apparently Garen was talking with Pat Verbeek uh, for a while about John Klingberg um, mm-hmm. and had made a final offer uh, earlier in that day. Uh, to uh, to to Verbeek there, uh, which Verbeek rejected, uh, and then said, "I think we'll just keep him, like Klingberg." Yeah. So, uh, Garen then said, "Sure, you will," and hung up. Which, sorry, just I know it's Wednesday, but like <laughs> a big energy move. Just yeah. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Anaheim called back in the waiting minutes of the deadline, accepting the trade offer on the condition that 
uh, Minnesota added the rights to Nestorenko. This is the part for me who Garen and the team weren't planning to re-sign anyways. So it's kind of a like, yes, Anaheim got what they wanted. But at the same time, it wasn't a it, it was the wild were just like, yeah, sure, because we weren't gonna do anything with it anyway. Right? They yeah. they just kind of got rid of their junk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. For that though, so Nestoranko could have signed with any of the other 30 NHL teams besides Minnesota and Anaheim if we didn't get him. Now at least we can say, oh, come down to California. Oh, come hang out in the dressing room for a little yeah. bit. So look at look at this training facility. Look at this dressing room. Look at the fans. Oh, is that the sun? Look, you can you can see the beach. It's yeah. look, oh, it's amazing. Don't yeah, here, here's a contract. Sign it. Yeah. So I we did talk about it last episode. I said, like, you know, until we actually sign Nestorenko, I'm not sure yeah. how I feel about this overall yet. Mm-hmm. Um just the overall return for Klingberg, yeah. we said was underwhelming kind of thing. And Nestorenko was kind of that big part of it overall. If he doesn't sign, yeah. he is not looking good. So yeah. um, um it, so anyway, it, he, he did have some Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you were gonna. Uh, yeah, just Verbeek. You know, said that. Uh, like, like Verbeek knows though. Like, there's a reason that he asked for him specifically, and it comes out in this, where he mm-hmm. says he's watched him like closely over the last three years, uh, him playing in college, and likes that he gets in front of the net and competes hard there. Uh, he brings up, you know, he's like just a bigger guy, like six two, skates well, and has high skills. So, like, there's something there that Verbeek likes. And yeah. I don't have an issue with that. That's to, like that. That's good. Yeah, that's good. He, he knows what he wants, and he yeah. he he did get it. So so it, I just hope me, that just I just hope that he does get it. So yeah, to me too. That goes back to what um th- that first quote that you read uh, about what he said on the season overall. Um, and I think it could kind of allude to maybe how Nestoranko could fit in with this team. Um, says early on. Uh, with the team, the compete level wasn't at a standard of what I expected. Um, says Nestorenko works hard, so yep. you know they could improve that. And um, same with McGinn. W- yeah, that competitiveness, too. So, right? So yeah, um, and then I want us to be really hard to play against. We're too easily pushed aside. Guy who's six two isn't going to be pushed aside too easily, I don't think. Not too um, much, yeah. That's, yeah. About, that's about average, I think. It, it is, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but you know, a guy who's six two and competes hard is a lot different than a guy who's six two and is just you know, skating around waiting for a pass or looking for a, a sweet deke or something like that. So, um, yeah, you, you said too that, um, from uh, Flash 33, who we've had on here, Shane, um, before you had some comments from him. And I don't think we actually read them last episode. Do you still have them? Uh, yeah, I do still. Give me two seconds and I will pull them up. Um, but yeah, really quickly here as well. Uh, Nestorenko, yeah, 6'2. Uh, this is coming from Elite Prospects, 6'2 and uh, 183 pounds. And how so, old is he again? He's 21? Uh, he's 21, yeah. Yeah. So a little so bit on still, the lighter side probably for what Verbeek's going to want. Like kind of like similar, you know, to like a, yeah. a Zegris or that kind of thing. So can uh, still fill out though. Like still pretty yeah. young. So yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. What did Shane say here? Um, the, the prospect the prospect encyclopedia who is yeah. uh, Shane. <laughs> uh Point per game center in his third year of college at a great school. Typically, unless you're heavy over point per game, uh, your game isn't strong enough for a direct jump. Uh, Shane says he'll go to the Gulls probably, uh, at least at first. Um, Seems to be a distributor rather than a shooter. No idea what his defense is like, TBH. Uh, He says, best case scenario for me, he's Kerfoot-like. 
Uh, not a guarantee. Okay, Kerfoot's though. an NHL player, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's like not a guarantee, though. Uh, weak supporting cast right now, and all the primary goals are going to graduate. So, yeah. And, and honestly, we do have enough guys that are NHL players that like we can fill out a bottom six. It's not the best bottom six, but yeah, we, we do have those guys, so we don't have to necessarily force Nestorenko into the NHL. So we do, we do have uh, have that, and he, there's not a ton of high expectations on him either. So yeah. yeah, it's all good. Most importantly, and I don't know if he told you this, but where did uh what what did he give for Nestorenko for his updated um, EA NHL overalls? Because I know he just like goes through the whole roster. He did not tell me. Ah uh, damn. <laughs> I don't know if you. I don't know if he would be in there it. because he's a college player. Oh fair, yeah. So that's a good point. But, yeah, I don't think he'd be in there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, and then one other comment here from Gibson, and then I think this will nicely take us into uh, uh, what Rory had to say. Yeah, so we we have been talking about John Gibson leading into the trade deadline. There, just you know the the idea that he would wouldn't mind moving to a contender kind of thing, and uh, that teams had called about him, and that there were kind of conversations around it, but then it kind of got contradicted by. Uh, the comments from Verbeek during this saying that, you know, he's not considering moving John Gibson and he's told Gibson that like they've had conversations about it. Yeah. Um, and he talked about, uh, you know, when, when he was in Tampa Bay there and how they kept chasing a, a number one goaltender, right. Trying to, you know, throw around picks, prospects, whatever, in hopes of getting one basically. And it just never really happened. Um, yeah. I mean, they had Ben Bishop for a while. I'm not sure what he's talking about there, but uh, but but besides Ben Bishop, though, I can see what he means. Um, yeah. Abbott did go through quite a few goalies until that point, right? Like, yeah. um, like how they had like a twilight of his career, Dwayne Ro- uh, Rolison being the, oh, that's right. one of the yeah. starters there at one point. I remember that. Yeah, that's um, right. But, uh, you know, he said like once they kind of realized like what they had in uh, Andre Vasilevsky, as a number one, that was it, right? And you're yeah. keeping with that guy, basically. And that's the guy that you're going with. Um, Verbeek came into a situation where John Gibson was the guy. And uh, so, yeah, not planning on moving him or that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of solidifies for next year. We're, in, in my opinion, I think that we're looking at Gibson uh, Dostal, unless yeah, uh, so. for for Beak, for some reason, thinks that Dostal could use one more year in the AHL. But given what Dostal has shown us uh, this season, both in the A and in the NHL, Dostal's ready to be there. Yeah, Dostal's so. already a medium well stake. You give him another year in the NHL, and he's essentially just you know garbage. <laughs> feed him to the birds. Like <laughs> nobody wants a well done stake. Like what what are you doing? So yeah, yeah exactly. So but. he's he's ready now. So. Yeah, so uh, I, I think we can kind of calm down on the John Gibson front a little bit there, which, yeah. I'm, until I'm, I'm next until next trade deadline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Yeah. But, so, yeah. So, yeah, in, in regards to trade deadline, here is uh, what Rory had to say. And um, just after I had some time to reflect on it and wasn't quite as fresh, I guess, there's a lot of things I do agree with, but um, I'll, I'll just read off the whole thing. Here, or maybe we'll go piece by piece. I don't know. Depends if you interrupt me or not. We'll see. Uh, so Rory said a couple days ago, I understand what GM uh, uh, Pat Verbeek re- return for Klingberg. Um, or I understand frustration. 
I'm going to start over one more time. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> Rory says, uh, I understand frustration about uh, GM Pat Verbeek return for Klingberg, but it seems as if uh, a lot had to do with his cap hit being $3.5 million, a similar case to JVR and Flyers, so to say. Maybe if Mini found a, quote, banker third team, but the, at the end of the day, it's better than nothing. Could be worse. Could be Flyers GM Chuck Fletcher getting comments of, uh, quote, tomatoes uh, during his post-deadline press conference that was being live-streamed. Although uh, one thing I yeah. did agree with Chuck, which makes sense uh, with GM Verbeek, is that a lot could happen between end of season and draft day. Some conservatives about trades could be picked up that were unable to be completed right now. There's a lot more, but it, it moves on. So, yeah, you know, uh, really any team without a third team involved, you have to pay $3.5 for John Klingberg. So, like, that's not great value, really. And 3.5 is a lot better than 7. I'll say oh, that. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but still, like, it... Like there Klingberg is, is serviceable, and at three and a half million, like that's not horrible. I don't think, in my, in, in my opinion. Would you sign Klingberg to three and a half million dollars, though? Like, say, say we bought him out of his contract at the. This isn't how it works, but say like we released him from his contract. He was a free agent. Would you sign Klingberg to three and a half million for the rest of the year, though? Like a cap hit of three and a half million, if he was just randomly a free agent. Three and a half million to play on the third line and do well in the power play and not have the pressure of, Hey, I'm playing for a, like for a contract next season again already. Yeah. Three and a half million. No problem. So you, have, you don't have a problem with three and a half million for Klingberg, but fuck if we're going to pay Brock McGinn $2.75 million. Because, the, because, <laughs> okay. One, we're comparing a winger and a defenseman, two completely okay, different things. Fair. Also though, like Klingberg, like he does have a specialty, right? And we know that there is something, there we saw it for years in dallas right but he's a specialty that not many teams in a playoff position really needed is and that's a power play quarterback because if you are in a playoff position you probably have your power play figured out for the most part for the most part there are some teams that don't i don't remember like who i you know i'll I'll pull i'll pull it up let's take a look here for what playoff teams that don't have a great power play well, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a, a, a team that's on the verge of the playoffs that's 15th, 16th in the league, but, like, it's it's not because of their power play, I wouldn't say. Let's see, the lowest... Uh, and here's this this Rory, is a team that we talked about, the, the Islanders. They're at 17%. 29th yeah, in the league. Yeah, but they're a defensive team. If you're a defensive-minded team, you're not bringing on John Klingberg, even if he was free. There's, it, there's zero universes out there in the entire multiverse that Lou Lamorello brings John Klingberg onto the New York Islanders. That is, there is no way that happens ever. You say that until John Klingberg just is on the ice wearing an Islanders uniform because you're not going to hear about it until then. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay, the Seattle Kraken, 20% right now. Or the Vegas Golden Knights, they like to go out for the the flashy thing, especially right. What's more flashy mm-hmm. than a power play specialist when your power? You have Alex at, Petrangelo. Your power play is at twenty point six percent. Where's that in the league? League nineteenth. Okay. You're, a team you're, miss, that's you're missing Mark Stone, so that's a big. I, I don't think that the defenseman is the issue on the power play there. Seattle, yes, I, I, I could agree with that, but th- their strategy obviously was to not mess with. 
quote perfection or not mess with with what's working. So yeah, and I and I get that. Um, yeah. So that yes, I could have seen that one. I, I will give you that, but it's it, it obviously didn't happen. So yeah. Uh, no, you you actually sat there for Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I 20, thought about that too, but then twenty one point one percent for Pittsburgh is kind of, but yeah, like the, like there are some other teams. Like Minnesota was at, is currently at twelfth in the league at twenty two percent. Yeah. So I mean, there's obviously room for improvement, but like it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, so. It, out of all the teams, it, it, that one does make sense. But R- Rory also just kind of says here, like his main point on a playoff team that's cap that's cap tight. Three and a half million dollars is a lot of money. Yeah, to that, take is, on. that is true. So, that is true. Yeah, so if if you are doing that, there is, it, it's not quite as, you know, fruitful of a return, I guess. But yeah, um, uh, sorry to to bring up Rory's second part though, especially oh, yeah. for a rental till year's end. The thing is though, is what they gave up for it. They gave up a prospect that they weren't going to sign anyway. So they got something out of it, right? Kind of mm-hmm. like the Ducks with Henry Thrun. Um, they did an AHL move, right? Suster uh, was in the AHL and he's still in the AHL with San Diego. Mm-hmm. And they gave up a pick in three years. They, they traded a 15-year-old that they don't even know who it is yet. Yeah. Right? Minnesota didn't really give up a whole lot, if you think about it that way. So, yeah, yeah they took on the cap, but everybody's taking on cap if you're a playoff team, right? Or if you're trying to go to the playoffs. Yeah. There, there's teams that are within the rules. I will stress that. Within the rules, doing their best to go over the cap because they can. Yeah. Right? They're gathering that talent that most of the time deserves that type of pay mm-hmm. to give themselves the best chance for the, for the playoffs. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, going on here with uh, Rory's comment here. Additionally, in regards to Hampus and Raquel, we did bring up the uh, previous trade deadline. Uh, like, Nate, like Nate said about this year's free agents and wanting to come to a team like Anaheim, would they want to stay in Anaheim? I don't believe the odds of Raquel and Hampus re-signing were going to be great, given the team's direction at the time. I'm sure Verbeek had a conversation with them prior to being dealt, if they intended on doing so. Also, another point would be uh, more important signings of Terry, Zegris, Drysdale, etc. this year as well. Uh, let's uh, And let's not forget uh, D'Lo, Delorier, uh, was signed to a four-year, $1.75 million, 12-team modified no-move clause by the Flyers, which, Jesus, yeah, that's, I don't know what you got to be on to do that, but. Um, uh, just Your name is just Chuck Fletcher. You're not on yeah. anything. Yeah, fair. You're just a fucking dumbass. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, it's a good point. Honestly, I think I, it was just kind of boiling over. That, like, wow, this team was worse than expected. Look at the pieces we lost last year. Wow, we could really use these this year. And like, just, yeah, it, it was kind of just a boiling over point, I guess. But yeah, you're right. It Obviously, they didn't want to re-sign. They wanted, especially like Raquel, like he he, he just wanted to go to a good team because he, he hasn't really been there like on a good team at first yeah. time in Anaheim, like for, for a very small amount of time, I guess. Um, Lindholm was obviously ready to be a just a, a powerhouse. And so, you know. Yeah. The thing is with, that, do that, with, with those deals last year, like it was very public that, you know, those players were on a separate deadline, right? Mm-hmm. If, because they were like trying to work on contract extensions, 
But for being said, if we don't have one in place by this date, which I think was like a week before the deadline, if we don't have a contract by this date, I'm dealing you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yes, you get something for them, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe you could have been able to do something mm -hmm. in that little bit of time, right? Yeah. Because you kind of forced a hand. There's like, okay, you know what? No. Like, especially for like uh, Manson, right? You go to Colorado, you win a cup. Yeah, I want to stay here now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But like that, that's not supposed to be like a like a jab at Verbeek and his ways. I'm just no, saying, like, yeah. you know, it, it, it might have been different if you're not setting that deadline. Uh, yeah, in, but like I mean, that if, far in advance, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if everybody knows that though, going into it, then by the time you get to that already, you know, that pre-deadline, I guess, if you're not signed, or if like you you want to sign, but you're like trying to play hardball, then you'd be like, okay, fine, yeah, I'll sign because I I don't want to uh, to be dealt. Like by setting that deadline, it's just you know giving you the time to move them. But um, so mm -hmm. yeah, and then they uh, go to Boston and to. Uh, Colorado, in the case of Manson and Lindholm specifically, mm. right? Yeah. Who are good teams that make the pushes that go kind of thing, right? And you get a taste of, or you you are on the grass that's greener, and you know, and you go, oh, okay, you know what? Like, yeah, I guess I'll you know sacrifice the the beaches of California for the the snow in Boston. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or the um, altitude in Colorado. Yeah. So. Uh, Rory uh, elaborates here as well. Uh, but in their point of view, what would be the benefit of staying in Anaheim when they could go to a team that gives them a better supporting cast going into their prime years of their careers? Yeah, no, yeah, like really, from, it, from it just a, makes sense for, for yeah. the players. A absolutely, yeah. From a play standpoint, absolutely. But there is also the factor of um, just where they live, what they're able to do kind of thing year-round, right? Like, yeah. Um, little bit of a different context i guess but i think it still kind of applies a lot of nhl players are it sounds like are wanting the all-star games to be in nicer climates vacation destinations because yeah. for them it is a vacation in the middle of a, a grinding season so yeah exactly so you look at a place like anaheim that is a vacation destination year-round kind of thing that can be pretty enticing that way it can be yeah so right? some players oh. like the um or and don't just mind, the, don't mind yeah. like the other climates, but yeah. So comparing it to the All Star Game is different because you know I, I don't mind living in Canada, like, but I'm not going to go vacationing every single year to Edmonton. I mean, I do because that's what I can afford. <laughs> but like you know, ideally, if I'm making millions of dollars, let's say I'm not going to yeah. go vacationing to Edmonton on my like one week off in essentially a six seven month just grind of a season. So like yeah, I, I would want to go to Florida too. Like. Yeah, it, it like in that sense, it just kind of makes sense. But you know, I, I wouldn't mind being in Edmonton during the coldest points of the year. But if that's what I live day to day, then I'm not just going to go. Oh, you know, it'd be a fun vacation idea. Let's go. Let's go further north. Like, let's go. Let's go spend a week in an igloo up <laughs> in the North Pole. Yeah, so. um, and uh, he says too, they're both Swedes, so Pittsburgh and got and Boston got home client. Let's try this one more time. Got home climates, colder and snowier, and closer, technically closer for family visits. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, just technically. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, and like Anaheim's also just an interesting place in the sense that, like, 
Actually, okay, so let me start this way. Hockey players are really interesting in the sense that they are very out there kind of people in the sense of like what they do, right? Like you're watched mm-hmm. by millions of people each night or that, but are for for a large majority right now, and I think we're like we are seeing a change in that, very to themselves type people. For the most part, yeah. Right. And Anaheim is kind of a place that you can do that, I think, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. like yes, you have, like, a very loyal fan base in Anaheim. That's yeah. for sure, right? But it's also a place that, like, my understanding of Southern California, uh, from the times that I've been there and just what I've heard, is that, like, Southern California specifically has a very... Um, relaxed way of life. Oh, for I sure. Guess. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's a lot more about take like taking the best care of yourself, I guess a little bit. Yeah. Like like, like life life and lifestyle is more important than like money and that kind of thing. I mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I'm using the right words, but you, no, you, you gotta are. get what it, I mean. it makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. just you know, thinking so, about like the difference between California and New York like New York is like no you go there and you work and you grind and like your whole personality has to be I you know work in an office and then I work in a coffee shop and then I go home and do more yeah. work and then and then besides that it's commuting and trying not to get pissed on by a homeless person whereas in California yeah. you're like yeah you know what I'm gonna just take the afternoon off and go surfing and let homeless people piss all over me kind of <laughs> not really but i was trying to make it very drastically different but you're right it is more relaxed so <laughs> yeah so that's like kind of the thing that you have to sell i think especially yeah. right now so. is, is the lifestyle for sure yeah yeah um so yeah and, and then just finishing off rory's comment here uh, I think free agents and trades will be dependent on their draft position as potentially getting bedard would pique interest in some players wanting to play in anaheim uh, Ducks have Zellweger and Minchikov on the back end who if not starting with the Ducks next year for sure AHL and most likely will be up by the halfway mark next year you know injuries on defense are bound to happen um, we, we can see this here injuries or sorry you can never have too many defensemen so uh, yes Nate would you like to clarify that when we get Bedard not if no that, that's, not, okay. that's not what I was going for I was just yeah, going to give you no, a prime example though of that type of thinking yeah Milan Lucic and the Edmonton Oilers, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. He's not wrong. And still yeah. somehow he got seven years by, what was it, seven million? Seven by seven or is it five by five? No. Oh, no, 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 no it no, was no. seven, right? Edmonton's retaining yeah. two on that. Jesus Christ. Peter Shirelli and Chuck Fletcher should never be in charge of an NHL team again. No. No, really Unless don't. it's the Edmonton and the Oilers or the San Jose Sharks, then I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, no, it, it definitely makes things more enticing too. And um, yeah, it's it, it's a factor. It's something that players pay attention to. Hell, it even it, I worked with Strom this year. He was like, yeah, I think there's a lot of good young guys in Anaheim coming up, yeah. and I want to be there playing with them. So yeah. and and all it took was not not like oh all it took was just a measly Mason McDavish and Trevor Zegras like who yeah. are those guys like obviously they're bigger names but like still Connor Bedard is like holy shit like yeah I, I or, will take or, a pay cut to pay there for 
to pay cut to play there for sure. Yeah. Or, so. or hell, even look at the, uh, the the center of the hockey world in Toronto where you have Kyle Dubas going to John Tavares, free agent John Tavares, and going, hey, how would you like to play with Mitch Marner? Mm. And that's a major selling point in getting Tavares in Toronto. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then last thing here, only, honestly, only until this season ends, in brackets, hopefully, a new coach is hired. Draft and free agency come and go. Uh, will we be will we be able to see fully where this team is heading? Especially as there's one more big domino to fall, which is Gibson's departure, and when that happens, and what the return is coming the other way. Uh, like always, enjoy the podcast, and we enjoy your comments. So thank you very much for that, Rory. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, um, he, he kind of touched on the prospects as well. Um, at, just at the very end, there, Verbeek and Niedermeyer had a couple other quick things to say about that just that they're excited about the defensive prospects that were coming up and there's, mm. there's good reason to be so yeah i think verbeek had said in it that uh you know he definitely looks to to niedermeyer to give the uh, defensive uh analytic side i guess um yeah and what uh what niedermeyer sees there you know just being a fucking stanley cup winning hall of fame defenseman Probably a yeah. good guy to go ask about probably, about your probably. defensive prospects. Yeah, but, yeah, probably decent. Yeah. Um, and then uh, as well, uh, I think we talked about this already, but he just kind of reaffirmed that uh, prospect Jackson Lacombe will join the team, uh, the Anaheim Ducks specifically, uh, once college is done uh, for yeah. for Lacombe this season. So we'll cool. yeah. we'll get to see Lacombe in a, in a Ducks jersey this year. It sounds like. Nice. Probably same thing as McTavish playing for the last nine games of the season, just to see yep. what you got in him, and you know get his. His, uh, his feet wet so that yeah. uh, potentially and highly likely probably he can uh, be on the opening night roster uh, come next season. Because, yeah, he's 20, uh, 21 already. 21 we, as well, yeah. We drafted him in 2019 second round. So high second yeah. round. So, yeah. Get his web duck feet wet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Rory also says, looking back, Gibson would be a good NHL mentor for Dostal to transition yeah. from the AHL to the NHL. Like we, I think we've kind of already seen, so. Yeah, yeah for exactly. sure. Okay. Um, yeah, let's uh, do some upcoming games really quickly. Uh, we've mentioned already Friday we'll be up in Calgary to see the boys play in person there. Hopefully get a big dub there. And um, ideally the, uh, the, the the goose egg for the Flames because, fuck, I hate the sound of that horn. drives me up the wall. That's my own personal hell, seriously. Like if, if I, God forbid, hopefully not, knock on wood, end up in the... In, the uh, the downstairs basement come the afterlife, then uh, that that horn is just going to be on repeat, just blast like nonstop. I I can't stand it. Man. That's your worst one. Okay, is it because it's Calgary? Yeah, or... pretty much. Okay, because so I'm like that's not the worst one out there. Like no, it's not stepping yeah. back. That's not the worst. You, yeah, you no, are no, you are no, missing no. like Winnipeg, um, Washington. Yeah, no. Ob- objectively, it's not the worst sounding. It's it's just like is so associated with pain and suffering, <laughs> and, and just like instantly ta- throwing me into a depression. Then it's fair yeah, enough. It, it's it's perfect. Yeah, it, it's perfect for that circumstance. So, uh, all I know is that for me, I get a W either way because either of these teams has to win, and I'm going to get pocket dogs. So, yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Uh, Rory says, thank you guys. Appreciate the response. Anytime. Yeah. Always happy to answer this. If I, if I had the money, I would eat my weight in pocket dogs out of that game. <laughs> so fucking good. Yeah. 
You should uh, you should buy a lottery ticket. Don't the, you do the draws on Friday, so then, you know, then you can find out how many pocket dogs you can afford to buy. No, if if I get a lottery ticket and I win, I, that's straight to the Calgary team store. <laughs> <laughs> and pocket dogs. And pocket dogs. <laughs> yeah, get as many pocket dogs as you as you can carry, and then buy one of every jersey that you could. No, actually, you know what? Up. It goes. It, it right away goes to okay. Who can I partner up with? I'll be the Ryan Reynolds in this situation. Not that I, you know, have the fame or clout or anything like that, but like, hey, I'll be the like a small minority owner in buying the flames. <laughs> yeah, you'll be his sugar daddy. You'll be Ryan Reynolds' sugar daddy, or the equivalent of his sugar daddy. Sure. Right. Wait, Ryan Reynolds' sugar daddy, or is Ryan Reynolds my sugar daddy? No, the other way. Because he said um, he was like, yeah, I just need someone to like, you know, help me buy the team. Well, I mean, like he obviously has shitloads of money too. Oh like, no, no, no! Like, I, like I'm a lateral. I'd be like a lateral move to Ryan Reynolds, or like a like a like an angle to going up to Ryan Reynolds. Oh, like, I see. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have more money than Ryan Reynolds. Fuck that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know how much money he has. So, yeah, a, a, a lot more than I would get in the lottery, probably. <laughs> yeah, pretty probably. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Anyways, so. <laughs> Long story short, we're going to be in Calgary stuffing our face full of pocket dogs and uh, enjoying <laughs> this game. So how do you think the score is going to end up for this one? By the way, we didn't get the Seattle or Vancouver ones. but um. Um, Calgary's been, <laughs> as usual, an interesting team, put it that way. Uh, their last two games... Okay, let's put it this way. If Tyler Toffoli has anything to say about it, the Flames are winning this game. Okay. And I say that because the Flames have also played it back-to-back in the last two nights. Um, or Monday and Tuesday. Uh, against Dallas, Toffoli scored with four seconds left to give the Flames a 4-3 lead and win that game. And against the Wild on Tuesday, uh, Toffoli scored the only goal in the game and subsequently the shootout. Or sorry, in the in the shootout and subsequently the game as well for a one nothing win. Um, so yeah, Flames are on a the Flames by Tyler Toffoli are on a two game winning streak uh, right now. Um, they do fairly well at home, fifteen thirteen and three on the season. Uh, they're improving as of late. We'll put it that way. Uh, four four and two on the season, uh, or in their last ten. Sorry. Um, at the same time, though, Calgary hasn't been good against the lower teams. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why it's so it, it's easy for me to talk about the Ducks because they're at the moment just a lesser version of the Flames, <laughs> right? Like Fair. they'll play up to those teams that are above them, but even if it's just like one plays down, they'll play down to those teams and it costs them so i'm gonna go with a ducks win actually in this one okay call three two okay that was actually the score uh no other way uh that the last time these two teams met which was back on december 23rd uh just before the holiday break there so yeah three two uh final although that one was in anaheim so. I should make one more note as well. About oh, but it, sorry, it went the other way. It was Calgary with the three yeah. two. So same score one, the other way. One more note for the Flames, though, as well. Uh, if Jacob Markstrom has anything to say about it as well, yeah, 
unless the Flames would win it. Because Vladar plays because he's coming off a uh, shutout against the, was it Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota on Tuesday. And, um, you know, you, you might want to just, you know, give your backup goalie uh, A, a reward for the shutout, and B, you know, it's Anaheim. I think we'll no, be fine. actually, Mark, Markstrom played both games in the back-to-back. Did he really? Yep. Huh. So yeah, maybe Mark- give him a rest for Lidar? Sutter's running, you win, you're in. What, hap- so what happened to- once a week? I thought Lidar played once a week. You- Don't hasn't say you're weekly for the... Hasn't, hasn't for a while. Okay. Lies all around. Um, yeah, Daryl Sutter this is one- an interesting man. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for this one, uh, yeah, realistically, I'm never going to predict the Flames to win. Like, it, it's just not going to happen. So, <laughs> I actually, did I do it earlier? I might have done it earlier in the season. Probably. Oh, no, I did say, yeah, no, probably said the same thing. So, yeah, I said 4-3 Anaheim before. You know what? Let's take that same score, 4-3 for Anaheim in this one. Would, lo- would love to see the boys get a win in Calgary too. There you go. Be, be great. So, uh, yeah. And then we will pull this down for a second, briefly talk about the next upcoming game, which will be uh, af- or before our next step. Ep- you guys hear our next episode, but after we record it. So it'll be uh, Sunday uh, on the road, or sorry, at home, Sunday at home against the Nashville Predators. 6.30 Pacific time. I don't think I said it, but the uh, Calgary game, 6 p.m. Pacific time. So 6.30 p.m. Pacific uh, at home for uh, against the Nashville Predators. And uh, yeah, we have played the Preds this season, I believe. Uh, yes, we have... Yep, uh, two them. games. Preds uh, yep. won the first one 2-1 in overtime on at the end of November there, and then uh, winning 6-1 uh, on December 30th. Oh, yeah, just after the f- we played the Flames, actually. Oh, no, a couple games after we played yeah. the Flames the first time. So, okay, so not looking good for uh, against Nashville here, but yeah, they, also, they also tore down quite a bit at the deadline, losing Nino Niederreiter, Matthias Ekholm, um, they traded someone else too. Forgetting. Oh, uh, Tanner Janot. Janot. Janot moved yeah. into Tampa. So, at the same time, though, Nashville's been sneakily within reach of a playoff spot. Now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, sixty-one games played compared to if we're taking a look at the wild card spot in the West, uh, sixty-five apiece for Edmonton and Winnipeg, who are in it. And 65 for Calgary, who is just sitting outside of it right now. Um, the Preds are 6-3-1 and one in their last 10 currently. And mm-hmm. on the road, uh, a winning record there, 15-12-4 on the season. Okay, okay. So it, I don't know, it might be kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to yeah. go Nashville on this one. I'm going to go for a low-scoring game. I'm going to go 2-1. 2-1, okay. It has happened before this season, so 2-1 Nashville. Yeah, I'm also going to say Nashville. Um, yeah, beginning of a homestand, long homestand too, actually. Um, yeah, I think we only have, I think it's like after tonight, it's like only six road games left, if I'm not mistaken. Something okay. like that. Six yeah, or seven road games left. Okay, yeah, eight game homestand and then three, four, four, four road games. Yeah, 
Was that it? Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, we got a uh, eight at home, and then three on the road. One at home, one on the road. Three at home to finish her off. So nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I think I think Nashville also takes this one. I'm kind of torn on what the score could possibly be. Sunday evening. Um. I, I guess let's see what Nashville has going on the rest of this weekend. Where'd we go? There you go. Uh, they're in LA the night before, so I guess that means we see what's his name, um, backup goalie. I would presume you would see the backup goalie for this one. Why am I forgetting? Backup in Nashville this year, Lankinen. Right. I was gonna say Lindgren, but I was like, no, that's not right. That's nope. Washington, but yeah, Lankinen. Um, I, was, I was thinking Ingram for a second, but I'm like, no, he's in Arizona. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh. Okay, I gotta I gotta see how Lankinen's do, and I don't follow the Preds super closely, at least when Saros isn't playing, because I have Saros in a fantasy league, so I don't give a shit what Lankinen's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Just like ah, God, he's playing. Uh, wow, best goals against on the team at a two fifty eight um, on the season, and a save percentage of nine twenty two. Fourteen games played, seven five and one record this season. Dang. Huh. Okie doke. I'm saying a uh, 5-2 Nashville win. Less optimistic about this one. All right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, I guess, hit a uh, goals update then. Oh, we got a key for that. While the two Ducks games that we've talked about this episode have been both losses, mm-hmm. we're only talking about Gulls wins this week. Which mm-hmm. I don't know if we have done that yet this season, to be honest with you. No, to be fair, it's only a couple games. Usually we have three or four to talk yeah, about. Two so games, it's a, two a little games bit played, tougher, but... but it's only wins, and specifically yeah. overtime wins, specifically mm-hmm. against the road uh, the Roadrunners from Tucson. Nice. Got a 3-2 win on uh, the third there, and then a 2-1 win uh, the next night there. So, And we only have two games uh, this week as well. Um, Friday, they'll play the Henderson Silver Knights, and then Saturday, they'll play the Henderson Silver Knights as well. And both those games are in San Diego. So mm-hmm. with those two wins on this, uh, against Tucson there, uh, the do- or the, the Gulls stay in tenth place, but improve their record to seventeen thirty nine and one on the season. A little bit more respectable. Uh, yeah, so, so, slight bit, slight bit. Uh, your top five players, you can kind of just go with it at this point. Uh, except for one change, which actually, you know what? Sorry, let me bring up because I I did not catch that at first. Uh, da, 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 da. Pull up the website here. My bad. Sorry about this, everybody. I made a mistake. There we go. Yep. All right. It's okay. I so, missed it too. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, Bull Grew uh, is in fifth spot right now, 29 points. Uh, Michael Delzato has 32 on the season, and that is 22 of those with the San Diego Gulls. Uh, Nicholas Brouillard is in third spot with 34 points and tied with him uh, at 34 points in second spot. Now is Dylan Sakura, uh, who we acquired in a trade uh, with the Chicago, Chicago Blackhawks. Um, 
just again minor league deal. That was the one for Hunter Drew, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. Mm, yeah, I th- yeah, I think so. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, he puts up uh, uh, two assists there in his two games played so far with the uh, with the Gulls there to put him for 34 points, and uh, then it's the massive leap to the over a point per game play of Rocco Grimaldi with 56 points in 54 games. Yeah. So, yeah. Who, um, oh, is this not what you were pulling up? Were you pulling up the uh, something else? Oh, yeah. No, I was I was just pulling up the these stats because I wanted to take a look at uh, Sakura's like, in, like individual for San Diego. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I also missed this back on March 2nd and evidently – you did uh, as well because I don't think we've talked about this yet. But the Gulls actually traded Rocco Grimaldi to the uh, Rockford Ice Hogs, along with so they they traded Grimaldi and forward Logan yep. Nijhoff. Ne- not sure about that one. Uh, yeah, to the Ice Hogs in exchange for future considerations. Which I mean, Grimaldi All already right, signed so to a we- one-year deal, and so we'll, we'll get something out of it. But. So we really dipped to the points. So uh, the newly acquired Sakura is actually first in points on the team with on, on the active roster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I just noticed the little X beside his name, and I was like, Yeah, I just noticed. I that think that means not, he's not on the team anymore. Yeah, that's so. that, uh, that is exactly what that means. So in yeah. that case, then you have a two-way tie for fifth spot uh, between Pavel Regenda. And Braden Tracy with twenty four points. Apologies, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, totally missed that. Um, I, I don't know um, if. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm sure we can eventually find the future considerations on the trade when that probably, comes to light. But if, um, if there is anything, it's probably nothing. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, when you we're trading in the AHL, like it's not really weird. Yeah. Like we might get a prospect, or you know, it'll, I don't know. I guess the AHL doesn't have a draft because it's mostly funded by the NHL. Yeah. Or signings. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, Yeah. So let's take a uh, quick look at our goalies here. Ole Erickson Eck has 18 games played now on the season with a 475 goals against a 849 save percentage, a 212 and 0 record. And then Gage Alexander's at six games played now, a 269 goals against, a 911 save percentage, a 3 2 and 1 record. Currently, the only goalie to play for the Gulls this year with a winning record on the team. <laughs> yeah, which is <laughs> kind of impressive. Honestly, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's going on down in San Diego there. Uh, we're running a little longer than we planned to. Uh, it's late for us, it's late for you guys. So. Yeah, I think we'll just skip the what's quacking for this week. It's, uh, it's just a minor week. thing. It's all good. Yeah, yeah we, we can say that Rory's comment was a what's quacking because it, yeah. it was a good in-depth uh, little, little mailbag thing there. So I'm thanks, good with that. Thanks again to Rory. If anyone else has a, any anything that's itching to get out of their brain that they want to dump on our uh, one of our YouTube videos or DM us, at Quack Report Pod uh, is where you can do that. Uh, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Instagram, Instagram. That's Instagram. the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and then at HockeyPodNet is where you can follow the network, uh, except on YouTube. It's at THPN, where you can catch our watch along, which we will be doing against the Islanders next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and yeah, I am at Carter, Carter underscore Potts underscore 97 on Twitter. Nate, where are you? 
at Tate Namas on Twitter, T-A-T-E-N-H-O-M-A-S. Beautiful. Um, and sorry, a couple extra comments. And, as my, as my gr- and uh, you can see me on Twitter, uh, as my girlfriend puts it, engaging with the trolls. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or poking the trolls. I, I forget yeah. what she said today. Uh, Kevin says clocking out in eight minutes. Let's go. Which was uh, thirteen <laughs> minutes ago. He said that. So well, go. <laughs> now, yeah. Uh, but he did have one question as well. Uh, was wondering, are you guys following the World Baseball Classic? Canada has a decent team. I'm not. I'm not a baseball guy. I know you kind of follow the Jays, but are you watching this one? Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I'm not personally right now. So oh, no. it's uh, you're a Jays Dodgers guy, I guess. Right? Was there? A L- little bit Dodgers, I, I guess, just from yeah. growing up watching my stepdad watch them kind of thing. But I'm, I'm just trying to get more into it as a whole kind of thing. So my uh, my watch has already been going off with uh, spring training game oh, results yeah. and whatnot. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, not uh, not heavily invested, I guess we'll say Fair. that. So it's been uh, hockey and uh, box lacrosse for me. So yeah, pretty Fair usual, enough. I guess. But yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, sorry, Kevin. Don't have much else to add there, but um, hopefully, uh, hopefully. I think I saw something about Canada's well jerseys this year. I think I, I think I saw okay. that, and they're, they're you would see about okay. the jerseys. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, once again, we are at Quack Report Pod on all of the things. Thank you guys very much for tuning in to this episode of the Quack Report. Uh, we'll be back Monday to talk about our time in Calgary. Hopefully, it's a good one, and we'll see you later. And go Ducks, go.